This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And I'm here every week, and we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. You know, I've been doing this show for 18 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Our show is now on in a number of cities around the country, and our list is growing, and I'm excited about that. Hopefully, eventually, we'll be on all over the country because this is really one of the only shows of its kind in the country where we talk about psychology and sports. I've been a sports psychologist in Kansas City going on my 39th year. I've been doing this for a long time. I've had the privilege to work with professional teams, Olympic teams, college teams, high school teams. And if you follow the show, you know I'm the co-author of a book called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. And throughout my career, I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of great people, uh, coaches, athletes, trainers, conditioning coaches, owners, all kinds of people. And one of the people I've known for a long time is sitting across from me today. His name is Paul McGannon. He's been an athletic trainer in the Kansas City area for 41 years. He's currently working at Rockhurst High School, helping them out where he's been. He went to high school there. Right. And Paul also is the president of Sports Rehab and Associates, a physical therapy company here in Kansas City. I've known Paul since the 80s when he was the assistant trainer with the Kansas City Royals and had the privilege to be a member of a World Series team. Two of them, actually, 1980 uh, against the Phillies and then uh, 1985 against the Cardinals. Well, I, I stand corrected. Two teams, but a World Series champion. Correct, Series correct. Champion. Yes. Even better. Yes. And so Paul's joining me today because as we're entering the fall, we have high school sports going on now everywhere around the country. And one of the issues that comes up are injuries. And there's a physical side to injuries, a mental side to injuries. And today we're going to talk about that with Paul and, and, and discuss how to deal with injury recovery, injury rehab. I have athletes that come into my office all the time. And one of the biggest issues I have from people is, how soon can I come back? Doc, can I, do you think I should come back and push it? And I'm like, no. I think you need to go with what the trainers, the therapists are telling you. And I always tell them, and maybe take a little extra time just to be, just to be smart. I have a, a collegiate soccer player right now, Paul. Very interesting guy. He, he had surgery in L.A. in June on, on his groin and, and his hip, and they said, you're going to be out two to three months, which put him another month or so, and he, they just started practice this past week, and I saw him last week. He says, Dr. Jacobs, I want to get going. I, need to, I said, you are not going to do any of that. The coaches know it. The trainers know it. I said, you're going to do what they tell you, but you're not going to push it because if you push it, you may re-injure yourself. All right, you've been – You've worked with everybody. You're working with high school football players now. You've worked with major league athletes, high school athletes, college athletes. What is the biggest problem as an athletic trainer you have to deal with with these young people when they come in your office? 
I think the main thing is you have to educate them. So uh, everybody's different. So we don't cookbook the injuries. In other words, we give them a, a range of when they could be back four to six weeks or whatever. We never use the analogy of rest only. We always put them on a strengthening and a stretching program. Once we have their results of an MRI, X-ray, or whatever the docs do as far as diagnostics, and then once we have a firm diagnosis, you can set up a program that emphasizes both stre- uh, stretching and strength strengthening so that you get both phases of that. That's real important. And then the biggest problem is probably the athlete in their mind may have a certain time frame. And that's all variable by the age, the severity of the injury, and uh, really where the injury is located. Okay. For those people listening right now who have a daughter or son who's maybe middle school, maybe high school, maybe even collegiately, but they've had an injury and They want their son or daughter. Their son or daughter wants to come back as soon as possible. How do you work with the parents? Let's start with that, Paul, in in our conversation today. Because obviously everyone wants to to rehab from an injury quickly and get back out there. No one likes sitting on the sidelines. So how do you deal with the parents when they come in your office? I think really what we try to focus with the parents is to remember that it's their son or their daughter and that to respect the medical team. In other words, go to a physician that they feel comfortable with, get a diagnosis. If they're not comfortable with a diagnosis, then get a second opinion. And then once they entrust the athletic trainer or physical therapist or the rehab team, as I would call it, just put your trust in them and pretty much step aside because depending on the maturity of the individual, high school athlete, college athlete, or professional athlete, Parents will have varying degrees of input and varying weights of their opinion, depending on how old the athlete is. So basically what we try to do is keep lines of communication open, but at the same time, give the athlete, give um, them space. As a psychologist working with young people. By the way, before you go on on psychology. Yes, sir. So it was a minor of mine. I know just enough to be dangerous. Uh-oh. I guess it would be a fair thing to say. But at Rockhurst University, uh, getting my uh, uh, Bachelor of Science in Biology, my minor was psychology because I felt like going forward in physical therapy, sports medicine, athletic training, it was real important to have that as a little bit of a backdrop. Well, you know, that's interesting that you say that because it's I It's a good feel, combination. I, I feel... Throughout my entire career working with so many physical therapists and trainers, you have to be knowledgeable in psychology. I did a show a few weeks ago about coaching, and I said, I think youth sport coaches should have some training in psychology. It's great if you're a soccer coach to know how to design plays and if you're a football coach how to get get your athletes in position and, and run their routes or block or whatever. But I think you've got to work with the mind. No and, doubt. And and so many coaches don't understand the issues that their athletes end up having with self-confidence because their egos get in the way. What do you think about that? that? that that's a big part of it. And uh, a lot of times what you get are coaches who use a comparative, well, I had a hamstring at one time, or I had an ACL at one time, or I had an ankle injury at one time. And what, when they say, and, I and, had one, they're, they and, just personalize it, and they, they think... You should be able to right, and so that's a similar timeline, whereas the reality is that there's different types of hamstring injuries, there's different types of ankle injuries, there's different degrees of ACL injuries. So really, I think where a coach would be more beneficial is uh, more of a general 
commentary and be, hey, get what you need, get with Paul, get with whoever you are working with on your rehab team, uh, let us know when you're ready to go and uh, just do what he says or do what she says, if it's a, a PT or a trainer, and do that kind of thing. That's what we need more from coaches is the support. So let's talk about the process, okay, because I think, you know, as we're talking, it's, it's hitting me. A lot of people don't really know how this whole process works. So, so let's say you've got a young man on the soccer team who rolls his ankle or pulls a hamstring. Okay, they're going to go get examined. Hopefully there's a trainer with that team. They're going to say, well, you need to go talk to a physician. So they'll go see a physician and take us through the sort of the process of what happens then. Right. So then you get to the physician's office. And a lot of places now here in Kansas City, and I'm sure in these markets that you're on now, um, radio show wise, there are places you can go and get an instant diagnosis, get your immediate tests, get your MRI within 24 to 48 hours and get a conclusive diagnosis. And then that comes back to us, the rehab team, and then we go from there. And explain for those people who don't know what an MRI really is. Yeah, magnetic resonance imaging is a really good detailed picture of not only bone, but also soft tissue, uh, blood flow, blood vessels, just all the tissues involved in the area that is injured and just gives a more thorough diagnosis of what the problem is. So then your job becomes rehabbing that. that right. Patient. So then based on what the diagnosis is via the tests, then we start and initiate a range of motion, typically work towards strengthening. And then functional rehab, we just don't throw them back on the field. There's a whole series of stages. For example, there's uh, several stages to a throwing program. If it's a rotator cuff or a baseball person, there's several uh, steps for a running program if it's an ACL. So that's a good example of how we progress them. It's a process I think people have to understand and be patient with more than anything else, right? Right, and everybody's going to have uh, pluses and minuses as they go. you got to listen to what the athlete reports, and you have to watch and see how their mechanics are and to make sure that everything's going forward. And sometimes you have to say we're at a plateau. We have to uh, wait and take our time. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. My guest today is athletic trainer Paul McGann with 41 years of experience as an athletic trainer. He's worked with athletes at all levels including two World Series teams with the Kansas City Royals in 1980 and 1985. We're going to keep talking about injuries, rehabilitation, and the psychology of coming back from injuries here on the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. 
What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. My guest today is Paul McGannon. He is the head athletic trainer for Rockhurst High School here in Kansas City, but he's been an athletic trainer for 41 years, and he's worked with athletes at all levels. And as I mentioned earlier, two World Series teams, the 1980 and 1985 Kansas City Royals, which in 85, they were the World Series champions. I was actually there at Game 5 and watched that 11 to nothing victory over It was the fantastic. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And in fact, I know my uh, buddy and I who had t- season tickets, we were on top of the dugout at the end of the end of that game dancing with everybody else. That, it was a party. That was a lot of fun. It, that must have been just just for and just before we get into what we're going to get into here about high school athletes, young athletes. But what was that like for you? I mean, you're there. I mean, it, just that experience. Well, it was just a thrill being a native Kansas City uh 
grew up in the area to be able to be a part of the team. So um, it was just a thrill to be a part of. We had great ownership in the Kaufmans, um, a great uh, manager in, in Dick Hauser, uh, the coaching staff uh, working side-by-side side with Mickey Cobb, who was well-versed and had a great amount of experience. So Mickey was the head trainer. Head trainer at the time. On the show several right. Times. So, you know, it's just a great atmosphere, and it was a classic team effort. Um, you know, maybe uh, in those years, other clubs were a little better than us, but there was no better team as far as chemistry. And that's how it all came together. Very confident bunch of great pitching rotation with Saberhagen and Jackson and Gubazon, Liebrand, and You know, it's just... Uh, a and solid course, team. And, of course, George Brad, And, of course, George, Hall of Famer. So right. uh, just it all came together. So before we get into the high school athletes, let's take George for a minute because I, I got to know him working with the team a few years later in 1990 when he th- won his third batting title. If I'm correct, he missed about a year and a half of playing time from injuries. Isn't that, isn't that about right over his – That's right. He had various – yeah, he had, he had various things uh, that – kept him out of the lineup and Georgia played through a lot of things um so but, what they got with a guy like that let me ask you who's as competitive as he was because he did not like not playing we both know that well George would let us know when he was ready and um and and that made our job a lot easier and uh, you could tell when he was ready um cutting edge this is back in the 1980s when George played he would take batting practice come in and do a cold tub we had a big whirlpool it's called the Queen Mary and Mickey and I would drain it and fill it with ice water and George would come in after every batting practice take his stat sheet which is on mimeograph sheet go underwater with a snorkel and totally immerse himself so this is before cold tubs and ice baths were in vogue and so he would do this get rid of all the soreness go out and get three or four hits so he just habitually did that from the middle of the season through the rest of the season, and it really helped his body recover so that he could bounce back the next day. And then 1980, of course, he hit 390, and I was at the game in mid-August on a Sunday where his batting average went over 400. Right. I'm assuming then helping him stay fit and healthy was really paramount for what you had to do. Absolutely, and there was nothing that was going to keep him out of the lineup, so... The cold tubs and ice baths and things like that were cutting edge back then, and we still use them today because uh, they work. So let's move on to the high school athlete, young athlete today. Being that it's it's September now, getting August, September, the heat's an issue, okay? Uh, a lot of athletes are trying out for teams. They've maybe taken part of the summer off or been lax in their training because now – now, my gosh, it's you got to train year-round anymore at this point, which we'll talk about later because I've got issues with that as well. But what do you say to, to these young men, young women that you w- would work with as they get started in the fall? What are some suggestions you can make, to, especially to parents right now, to helping these athletes get adjusted and, and getting into it? Because you don't want to jump into it too hard because you're going to probably get hurt. Well, the first thing we do is we look at what kind of shape they're in and what kind of body type do they have. Are they running a few pounds heavy? Are they a few pounds light? Do they have any blood sugar issues? I mean, which we're seeing more and more uh, these days with uh, childhood diabetes and diabetes 1 and 2 and things like that and having good good background on their physicals. And where I am at Rockers High School, Misha, the state association requires uh, physicals every year. So we Misha's look at the Missouri State High School. Correct. And we, and we look at that as, you know, a good background. And then your point later, which we'll touch on, is year-round training. A lot of them have been at camps. 
They've been playing club sports. So they're coming into um, uh, the fall fairly well-conditioned usually. Now, that being said, uh, in the state of Missouri, uh, we all acclimate, meaning, i.e., today, here we are, August 16th, 17th, we we had morning practice from 6 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. And, and done for the day. So that's to keep them out of the heat. And uh, at the same time, uh, we'll have, for example, tomorrow what we call our watermelon scrimmage. The kids all get watermelon after they play for good hydration and replenishment. It's a good fruit to replenish. Anyway, long story short, uh, that'll be 11 to 1. So that'll be our first test into uh, uh, practicing and playing in the heat. So we do it in stair-step fashion. Our show is broadcast in a lot of markets, including Albuquerque, Santa Fe, Orlando, Amarillo, Tampa, where obviously it's hot, just like it is here. Um, Hydration is so important. I know when you and I grew up, and my father was a physician, and I played tennis year-round, he would always encourage me to take salt tablets in the summertime. Obviously, that's looked upon in a negative way now. What's the the best way to acclimate yourself to getting into these fall practices? Like you said, some kids are coming off camps and training all summer long on club teams. But to get acclimated and not rush into it and get get injured, what do you suggest? So we include and encourage pre-hydration, P-R-E, pre-hydration 48 hours before the targeted start time for practices and so on. But what if they're – excuse me. Let me interject, interject here. What if they have two a days or practice every day? So what do you Re- suggest with that? Re- Re- replenish frequently, Just and, nonstop. and then also in the hotter markets, including Kansas City. The other yes, the other thing we include is immersion capabilities, so that wherever it is, a high school or whatever facility, you can for fairly economical, uh, not a high cost, get uh, something you can immerse them in to get them cool in case there's. Uh, any kind of a heat exhaustion or heat stroke type of issue. So, okay, what are the okay in regards to that, Paul? Sure. What are the signs of heat stroke or something like that? Right. I had a high school player a few years ago who came to my office, a high school football player. And right around now, he the coaches were not allowing him to drink water. He's an mm. offensive lineman. Mm. He passed out, and an ambulance came and took him to the hospital. He actually died in the in ambulance they brought him back wow and the coaches never even came to see him at the, at the hospital he quit football obviously yeah that's that. that's not a good story at all and unfortunately we hear those stories still which is crazy i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs this is the sports psychology hour this is the sports psychology hour Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. 
For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is athletic trainer Paul McGannon with 41 years of experience here in the Kansas City area. He's worked with athletes at all levels, including two World Series teams, the Kansas City Royals, and he also has a World Series ring, which he's not wearing today, I'm noticing. But uh, Safely at the bank. Okay, put away. Yeah. Um, I never got one of those years. Those oh, darn. We did, What's we, your size? We, did, we didn't make it that far. Um, 
I've known Paul for a long time, and obviously, if you you can tell, we've got great rapport. We've known each other forever, and, and I respect him immensely. So I want to get your opinion, okay? I, I've talked on this show forever about my opinions on youth sports. I love youth sports. I love sports. I've played my whole life. I'm going to be 65 this year and thankfully get on Medicare, but I'm still doing stuff all the time. But what really concerns me is this year-round training and specialization that we're seeing at younger and younger ages. I've said on this show many times, and I'll say it right now, we are on the verge of eventually we will see a league for pregnant women. I, I really believe that. We are getting – you know, there's a, there's a soccer company in Kansas City that has two-year-olds playing in, in, in games, which to me is – okay, they're still wearing diapers, okay, but they're in games. What's your opinion about sports specialization – when should it start? Should it even start? Is it good or is it bad for, for kids? So I would say uh, it's not good. We need the variety of sports to really get a more well-rounded athlete. And here's another. We talked earlier in the show about my minor in psychology. I talked to um, a senior soccer player in high school. Are you going to play soccer in college? You know, I really don't know. You know, I've been playing since I'm four. I've been playing 14 years. I think I might be burnt out. Now, here is somebody you might be burnt out. Might be burnt out after was three or four years four, before. 14, right? 14 years of organized soccer, and yet back in our day, Andy, and, and not to be old school, but the reality is, is back in the day. You used to use high school as a springboard to maybe get a full ride to a college or university and go on and play that sport, i.e. soccer, football, or whatever. And so now what we're seeing is burnout. So, like, see, you know, there are a lot of coaches just flat out burnout. that word. There are a lot of coaches I have run into and spent time with who don't believe in such a thing as burnout. And, and I, I just, believe in it, obviously. When I, and I just think there's a certain capacity to everybody's brain. And, and repetition, I think there's a, cer- a certain capacity. And what, so what is burnout to you then? Uh, no longer or having a muted interest in the sport you play. Because it is no fun. No fun, right. Yeah. And so I think those are big factors. Um, you know, the first thing of sport, in my mind, is you have to be motivated. Uh, it's competitive. You've got to have your head in the right place. Um we see a spike in injuries when it's not. People are not focused. Um, and, and so I, I think that's important. And then I think it's important to vary the sports. You know, you talk to Bo Jackson. You talk to George. They all played basketball. They all played football. They all played different sports other than their uh, specialty. Bo, of course, being good at, at two well, I, and probably I, I read, three. I read, but, yeah. but again, that 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 is an important thing to have the variety and give you i've got cross-country kids now who are running vitamin d deficiency because they are over trained i i recently talked on the show about alex morgan and roger federer a few weeks ago uh when the women's world cup was going on and wimbledon was going on and there was an interesting article that i read about both of them neither specialized in either soccer or tennis until they're about 14 or 15 years of age which in our book, Just Let Them Play, got any parents, coaches, and athletes that, through youth sports that my co-authors, Jeff Montgomery, Royals Hall of Famer, and Pete Malone, Hall of Fame swim coach, we talk about 13 to 14. In our opinion, right now is sort of the time. That's the time when you really want to concentrate on one sport if you really want to play past high school. 
But up until that point, to me, Paul, I, I think play with, play different things. Larry Brown, when I was uh, working with the University of Kansas back in the 80s, told me something that stuck with me forever. He said kids should play a team sport and an individual sport growing up because they learn different facets about competitiveness and, and stress and things. helps you with life skills. You have to work with a team at work. Sometimes you have to pull up your bootstraps and do it yourself. And Yeah, and, and I thought that, you know, he told me that in 1983, which is 36 years ago, but that has stayed in my head all these years, and it made so much sense because and it, it, I mean, he's a great coach. He won championships and obviously has been all over the place with, with coaching. And he, I, I think we, we're, we're at the point now where, to me, it's parents. Parents have these delusions of grandeur about their kids. They start thinking, well, my son is going to play Major League Baseball or my son can play in a, you know, professional soccer or my son's going to be a pro tennis player or, pro, or a pro golfer. So we're going to just forget everything else in 87 and 8. Are you, as, a, as an athletic trainer, are you seeing that more now than before? Most definitely. Um, and uh, it's sad to see because you've got kids that are 15, 16, 17 years old, 18, uh, that should be in the prime of their life as far as the sport and the enjoyment of it. And they're going through burnout because they've been at it 12, 14 years. Okay, so your job is to rehab them and get them back on the playing field. But as someone who is knowledgeable about the mental side, you see an athlete who's maybe – they're coming into rehab, but you can tell they're burned out. You can tell they're exhausted. They, they maybe they don't want to do it anymore. Mom and dad are pushing them. There's a scholarship offer in the in, in you know out out there for them. What do you do or what do you say? Nothing or do you do you get involved? Do you talk? I mean, where do you come into that picture or do you? So I think it's important to have a a hobby or an outlet or something that takes your mind totally off this now. A lot of that in this day and age is video games, and um, it's a diversion, I guess, and maybe that's what we're looking at now as far as a distraction from being so intense all the time, 24-7 with whatever sport you're playing. Um, but I, I, I tell people to maybe go for a run. Go for a bike ride. Go for a swim. We use water a lot in rehabilitation uh, and things like that and mix it up and, and get out of the routine. Overuse injuries are becoming more prominent at younger and younger ages. We're seeing 10 and 12-year-olds getting Tommy John surgery now, right? Yes, and a lot of that is gripping and, yes, just – going on too much of a fast track as far as pitch selection, frequency of throwing, mechanics, all, all those things. Now, so what you, so excuse me. So so when you've got a young person in your office that has something like that an overuse a, 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 an injury from from overuse and and specializing too much and you know it's bad for them long term. Do you say anything or not? Absolutely. Because a big responsibility of an athletic trainer is injury prevention. So a lot of times this situation where they come and present these different things could have all been prevented with proper mechanics, with education on how often to throw and when to throw. A lot of the rehabilitation that we give them are 
timelines that are implemented for the safe and full recovery of the injury. And then that should be used going forward as a tool to prevent being back here in the first place. Where do parents fit into that picture? You're smiling as I'm asking you that question. Well, I'm smiling because it varies. And we see everything across the board. Um, But I think as long as you've been in a certain environment that people trust you more um, and feel more comfortable in dealing with you, um, and some people may not like what you say and they'll go elsewhere and get a second opinion or a third opinion until they hear what they want to hear. So basically, I just am forthright and honest. Have you ever ticked off a parent? Um, well, by being pro- honest with them, by by probably uh, upset is a good word. Uh, usually, they take a, a step back, take a deep breath, and then circle back because maybe they go different ways or whatever, and then they get reassured and, and go with the plan. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, having a fascinating interview today with Paul McGannon, an athletic trainer with 41 years of experience. If you play sports, you've got kids who play sports, it's a great show to listen to. Our shows are podcasted, which I'll mention at the end of the show. And, you know, have your coaches listen to this, too, because it will really help them out. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million.
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And today we're taking a little bit of a different twist with the mental side because we're talking about injuries. And my guest today is Paul McGannon, an athletic trainer with 41 years of experience. So he's seen it all. He's worked at Major League Baseball teams, college teams, high school teams, young, young athletes, older athletes, weekend warriors. You know, before we get in, 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 into wrapping things up, the weekend warrior types of guys out there that you see, what's what's the most common injury that they come in and sort of present to you just, just in, in, if you could overview it? Well, I would call it a zero to 60 syndrome where uh, get out of a car, get onto a tennis court, get onto a golf course, go onto a basketball floor, no warm up, no stretching, and just with the 18-year-old brain – but the 40 or 50 or 60 year old body trying to be back like you were in the high school. Yeah. Trying to be back in the high school days. And so we see a lot of injuries that way where there's been no warm up, no stretching or anything of the sort. Okay. You just hit on something stretching. Okay. I remember years ago when I first started in sports psychology, I had some coaches that would say stretching is overrated. And it was amazing to me hearing that. Um, obviously it's not. And I used to tell people, well, when you're physically stretching, mentally stretch. Get prepared to play. Stretch your, 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 your muscles out, but stretch out your brain too. Relax. Get yourself prepared. Don't jump out of the car and run onto the tennis court or the, the basketball court, like you said, the injuries. But, but we're in such a rush today. Everyone's in such a rush. So when you've got people coming in, you want to teach them how to prevent those injuries in the future. So what do you tell them? The first thing we do is get out of the car or whatever. If you're going to ride a bike or walk to the event or whatever, even better. But get out and run and run a lap. So whatever but it start is. slowly. Yes, but start slowly. But run first. A warm muscle just stretches better. It's just plain, simple physics. Get your heart rate up. Do it for five or ten minutes and then slowly stretch. When you feel a stretch, that's as far as you could go. So every year we do Royals Fantasy Camp, and that's for— hey, Tell everybody what that is. Yeah, Royals Fantasy Camp is where uh, all the guys from the past, uh, George Brett, uh, Willie Wilson, Frank White, Bo Jackson, all the ex-Royals come back. And for a week, they have a fantasy camp for people who are minimum age 30 up to age 80. We have a 50-year— 
span as far as a demographic goes, uh, men and women, mostly men, of course. And yeah, that's the first thing we do every day is they yeah, run. Stand and surprise surprise Arizona, Arizona, where, where the Royals have spring training. And so our first thing we do every day is we take a run. We take a run, and then we stretch, and we go through a whole uh, series of stretches. But again, it's not how far you go. It's what you feel when you're stretching. So, for example, a standing hamstring stretch or a seated hamstring stretch, you're going to see everything from the guy who can touch his palms flat on the ground, who's that 30-year-old who it's his first fantasy camp, to an 80-year-old who can barely get a hand past his knee. But the point is, is that it's a stretch, and it's a quality stretch. So that's an example of what we look for is to uh, the stretch should be uh, comfortable, not uncomfortable. So injury prevention starts with for the older athletes as well as younger athletes. Patience jumping into something quickly is not what you would advise taking your time, stretching out, stretching your, your, your body and also mentally just relaxing a little bit when you get to, to that event. Instead Absolutely. Of jumping from a phone call where you're on with clients to jumping out to serving a tennis ball, take a little time to just sort of relax. And, and, and I mean, there's no doubt your mind and body are directly connected. And so you're right. You have to prepare on both fronts. All these people you've worked with over the years, let's talk about mental preparation here for a few moments. What did you see for some of the athletes who really succeeded in terms of their mental preparation? What did you see? You know, visualization is something, you know, I work with and work with forever. Um, is that is that a key component that you've seen a lot of athletes utilize? That definitely and also confidence, confidence, uh, the ability. What's that? Uh, yeah, right. Confidence is I'm going to do well and determination. And so and where, does, where do you think that comes from? I, I think it comes from parents. I think it comes from good, positive role models that may not be parents, parents, but might be guardians, brothers, sisters, people that you've looked up to, friends, peers. Um, you sport coaches that you had. That yes, good coaches, not, not good, good coaches who listened. And it wasn't just a one way communication. They listened uh, and watched and observed and realized that everybody is different. Um and just self-motivated people. As we wrap things up today, Paul, for the parents and coaches who are listening, as these seasons get going and as things start moving along, obviously someone's going to get hurt or several people are going to get hurt. What do you advise in terms of rehabilitation? What's what's the best process to do it? And And psychologically – how do you encourage people to be patient with that rehab process and not jump back into things so quickly? I think the most important thing is get to somebody that hopefully you know, uh, but also health systems that cover a lot of high schools, that cover a lot of colleges, that cover professional athletes that are on the front lines every day so that you just don't go and dig, get a diagnosis at a urgent care or something like that that's, well, you just need to rest. That's a bad uh, recommendation. You need to get tested. You need to have the battery of tests that are indicated by the physician that determine what your injury is so that you can have a specific rehab plan and that it's individualized and uh, is done in a personal one-on-one uh, scenario, not a group setting where you're in with a group like a big uh, exercise class or a big yoga class where you have one-on-one -on -one attention from the therapist or trainer. You've done this a long time. What is 
the, the best thing for you that you personally have gotten out of this? I know for me as a psychologist, my, my goal with everyone that comes in is, is helping them get better. You know, and that's what, that's what, makes me feel good what about you with what you do so you know a classic example is rockers high school the theme is men for others so it's a a men's high school here in the case all boys high school and men for others is the is the overall theme and so i feel like that hits me every day because we're here for other people we're here to help uh there is and, and you can get into this into future shows and i'm sure you will there is a real depression when athletes are hurt and you're taking them away from what their love is and so that's a whole other program, which you'll hit on. But uh, just helping people out is what my big takeaway is. They come in, obviously, initially, and they're depressed. They're down in the dumps. They're stressed. They're scared. How do you, as a trainer, try to soothe them and get them through that initially? Well, uh, recommending a person like yourself would be advantageous. Somebody who is in the industry and understands how mind and body work together. Right. But they're in there with you. So you've got to deal with that at that moment. Right. So what I what I try to do is say we're going to have small victories. So you couldn't bend your knee yesterday. Today you can. You couldn't straighten your knee yesterday. Today you can. Small victories. You couldn't do a quad set. You had an ACL surgery and you couldn't tighten your thigh. Today you can. So just build a series short-term of small, daily, daily small victories. Short-term daily goals. Exactly. And that's what mentally I work with people on as well, is giving people the, the opportunity to just set short-term goals every day. It's a building block approach. Exactly. Listen, this has been tremendous having you in here today. You're going to come back again, I hope. I hope Maybe so. bring that ring so I can see it. All right. But if people want to get a hold of you, Paul McGann, and how can they reach you? What's the best way to, to contact you? Sure. Uh, KCSportsRehab.com. And um, we're glad to help uh, anybody nationwide who needs a resource in whatever market they're listening to. And uh, we're glad to help people get back uh, onto the field, onto the ice, or whatever surface they play on. Well, you know you know people all over the country in this profession. You've, you've obviously met hundreds and hundreds of people. I'm sure you're I guess we don't have Rolodexes anymore, but your your address book or whatever you've got is loaded with people's names all over the country, so I'm sure you can help people out with that. Listen, I want to thank you so much for coming in today. This has been fantastic having you here. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week in the Sports Psychology Hour. There are a lot of ways you can reach me. My phone number at my office is 816-561-5556, 816-561-5556. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com, drj at winnersunlimited.com. My website is winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at, at drjsportpsych, at drjpsych. And you can f- listen to these shows on our website under the podcast page on my Twitter account and also here at Sports Radio 10 WHB. Their podcast is if you go on 810WHB.com, go to additional programming, click it on, and you'll find the show. Thanks for listening and have a great week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. 
That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When Dad injured his back... When your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country, and tragically, More than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. <laughs> 